Welcome to the Writer's Hour, where we have creative conversations with up-and-coming authors on their latest books. This is the place to be if you wish to get a preview of new books that are available for the voracious bibliophile, as well as the story behind the story for the voyeur who wishes a peek behind the creative curtain. Here's your host, Janine Bolin. Hi, welcome to the Writer's Hour Creative Conversations. I am Janine Bolin, and today I have with me Professor Renee. Now, what I would like to talk about when it comes to introducing Renee Kessler to Indivon is the fact that she actually was a university professor for years and years, and then she turned into an entrepreneur. Now, this is not an easy transition, as anyone who's been in academia knows, transitioning from being a professor to an entrepreneur takes some serious courage and a whole lot of guts, just, you know, gutting it out day after day to, to make sure you conquer those fears. So some of the favorite parts that I enjoyed about Renee was the fact that she took what she had a passion for as a professor and then created a coaching and speaking practice. And as she says, she's had 40 plus years of outdoor adventuring and climbing mountains. And so she speaks about that and she writes about that. So she's very good at coaching people in leadership training, team development, personal development. She helps her clients kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm lost at sea. I have no idea what to do next. She kind of walks you through with little baby steps on what is the next step in your life, as well as your business. She can help you with both. She really wants to help people identify their core desires, help them move toward those core desires, and then have that feeling of aliveness. And we all know what it, what it means to feel like we're stuck and we're in a rut versus when we're on our on our path and we just totally are excited and we bounce out of bed every day because we're just ready to to get on with the next day. So that's what she likes to do. She likes to help you with all that. So today we're going to talk about the very first book she wrote. Thank you for being with us today, Renee. Hey, thank you for having me, Janine. I appreciate it. No problem. So give us the title of your itty bitty little book, why you chose that kind of a itty bitty title, that whole itty bitty thing. You know, I always think string bikinis at that point because of the silly song my dad used to listen to all the time when I was growing up, but that's not what you're about. So tell us a little bit more about that whole process. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the title of the book is an itty bitty book. Um, Achieving Your Potential, 15 Empowering Steps to Reach Each Summit. And it is an itty-bitty book. It's only, I think, 37 pages, but I like getting right to the point. And there are a whole lot of hidden gems in between the lines as you read through each one of the steps or each one of the chapters. But it essentially starts out with identifying your summit. And what I mean by our summit is what your goal is, what your desires are, what your ambitions are, where you want to go. And uh, that's not an easy step for a lot of people. It's, it takes some good, hard, alone time, I believe, and thinking about who you are, what you want to do in your life, where you want to go, and what kind of contributions you want to make to the larger world. And it really is about giving back to other people. So what do you have? We all have something. We all have something that we want to share and give. And we all have gifts and talents that are uniquely different to ourselves and uniquely different than anybody else around. So it's a matter of really narrowing that down and then launching into ad adhering to what those gifts and talents and those passions are. 
And um, so that's the first step. I, I totally, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And the thing that I really am excited about is the fact that you said, yeah, it's an itty bitty book. It's 37 pages. And I think folks, especially authors think that, oh, okay, I'm going to write a book. It's got to be 275 pages. So what am I going to fill it with? I don't have enough information. And one of the things you will see over and over when it comes to Dr. Kessler's uh, book is the testimonials. They talk about you know, one of them is itty bitty, but the wisdom and practical advice she lays out is broad and deep. This is a gem worth mining on every page. Now, the thing is, is I love these testimonials because I know some of these people who have written the testimonials. So they're not they're not just slathering this testimonial up just so that she can say that she has testimonials. People really did say that not only hiking with Renee when they actually, because she does those sorts of retreats, but the fact that her book is only 37 pages, it's like plan on reading it multiple times. It's going to take time to integrate some of these nuggets she has. And also as an author, don't think your book has to be over a certain number of pages, 37 page book. And she's getting, Renee's getting a lot of traffic on that. So talk to us a little bit about how some of the writing process, like there's a little nervousness of like, okay, so I'm basically writing this quote, quote, pamphlet and calling it a book, which in my mind, it's a book because it's well thought out. It has structure. I'm sorry. It's a book. I don't care what anybody else says. Uh, but some people have that word in their head of, well, it's only a pamphlet. So talk to us a little bit about working through that uh, non-helpful criticism in your brain. The distinction between a pamphlet and a book? You, you bet. It's like there's this mindset that if it's too few pages, it's more of a pamphlet, not a book. And yours is technically a book. It really is a book. Mm -hmm. Yes, it has an ISBN and everything. <laughs> and there you go, people. <laughs> a publishing company, you know, it's got the whole nine yards. But yeah. it's small. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I guess I'll take a step back and enlighten the audience about what it was about this book that got me to move to the next level. And I think all, all of us have a book in us to write. And, and many of us say, gosh, I wanna write a book, but I have no idea what to write about. And I had some ideas, but it never was narrowed down and it never came to fruition in sort of a, a theme or a thought that I could actually share and contribute to the readers who pick up this itty bitty book. And it was October of 2019 when um, I climbed the highest mountain and the toughest mountain I've ever climbed. And at 63 and a half, it was tough because I don't have the same sort of chutzpah as I did when I was in my 20s and 30s. And I'm in good shape, but what got me to the, the summit of this peak in Nepal, 20,300 foot peak, very technical, ice and crampons and helmets and harnesses and ropes and the whole nine yards. And I was in it. And, um, but the thing that got me to the top of that was first my intention. I wanted to do this. I moved, I put one foot in front of the other. I was intentionable about moving to that summit and up that summit to the top. That's really critical in whatever you pursue and if it's the book that you want to pursue, you have to be intentional about it by putting one foot in front of the other. And then the other thing is your will. You know, what is your determination? What is your will? What is your potential? You don't know it until you're tested. I believe no one really 
actually understands what they're capable of doing until they're tested in doing it. So if that's potential, your will, your determination, you got to get out there and do it. So it's the same sort of thing with a book. You don't know that you can do this until you start writing. And I think that's the first thing that people need to do is start writing. If you're a journaler, and if you are someone who likes to, to can sit down and write, and if you're not that, maybe you take a tape recorder and just start talking about thoughts and musings that you have on a daily basis as you're walking or hiking or having that time by yourself. And then record those either on paper or in your tape recorder. And before you know it, you have an idea. So after I made this climb and I climbed mountains for over 40 years, and I continue to do that. I've got one coming up. And um, it, it is what inspires me to go to the next level. And I'm tested every time because it is about putting one foot in front of, literally putting one foot in front of the other, get to the summit. So after I finished the climb, I came down, flew back to the United States. And in, within two weeks, I went to a workshop in California. And it was about you know, all kinds of self-development and publishing books and those kinds of things. And I met an author and she is the owner and um, publishing uh, owner of the itty bitty book. And boom, I had the idea. I had the inspiration because I had just gotten down from this climb. And uh, within a week, I had the book. I mean, 37 page, you think, oh, well, I can write a book in, 30, in, in one week. Well, you know, it, it was, it was fresh. It was, it was heartfelt. It was authentic. It wasn't made up. I didn't have to do any outside research. It all came from my core and that became my book. And, um, it can happen. We all have things that inspire us. We all have things that move us to the next level. It's having to determine what those are or discern, I should say, discern what those are and then go for it and be intentional about it. And really, that is the inspiration behind getting a book out, people. Uh, and a lot of a lot of people say, well, I just don't know what to write about. And that's one of the fun things for me is saying, well, you're not going to know until you start sitting at a computer and start typing. And it, I said, and if you're one of those people who prefers to journal, just start writing. And I, I have this exercise I would always do beforehand, if, especially if I was in a place where I felt lost at sea and had no idea what I was supposed to write next. And that was, I would sit down and I would type up, this is stupid. I can't believe I'm sitting here again in the dark. It's 4.30 in the morning. Nobody's awake. I'm sitting here with my hot cup of cocoa. And I would just literally write out how stupid it was that I was sitting there because that was what was in my heart at that time. It was like, because I hadn't written my first book yet. You know, I was in the process. Now I've now written nine. I'm working on number 10. However, you know, there still is the, the are those times, like with you saying, it still have those times, no matter what mountain I'm climbing, no matter how easy or difficult it is, I still have to look at where my feet are going. Otherwise, I'm going to turn an ankle and I'm going to go backwards down that hill. And that's not really where I want to be. So uh, I totally agree with you on, on that. So when you achieved the, the mountain in Nepal, so what do you do now? You know, what are other peaks that you're interested in climbing as an adventurer that you are? <laughs> well, since then, I've climbed lots of mountains here in Colorado. Um, last summer was nine 14ers. 
and uh, that's a 14 year in, in means that they, these are all peaks that are over 14,000 feet in elevation. And here in Colorado, they're referred to as 14ers. And uh, yeah, I, um, for me, it is what I have carved out and what I know that keeps me strong, not physically, but also um, spiritually strong and inspired is moving uh, up these peaks and the views at the top are absolutely amazing. And for me, that is my inspiration. That gives me enough fuel to want to pursue new things in my life and uh, how I can reach out to other people and inspire other people to do things that they want to do. So it, it does take some inspiration. It's, it takes recognizing what your spirit is and what, what you can do to tap into that spirit, because that, I believe, is what gets you to uh, sit down in front of that computer or in front of that tape recorder and start talking about what inspires you, what moves you, what, what spirit inside you is saying, go for this, do this. And as we age, and I'm you know, now a senior officially, I recognize that my life is shorter than it was 20 years ago. So I have no time to waste. And I wanna make sure that I'm moving in the direction that my God-given talents have given me. So I don't wanna waste that time and, and, and um, also provide inspiration and value to other people. It's fascinating to me, just in you and I's lifetime, how much the process of aging and calling yourself a senior has changed. When I think of, of seniors back in my childhood, those sorts of people did not move around, and they most definitely, after the age of 60, were not climbing peaks in Nepal, right? I mean, this is just not something that they did. And one of the things that a lot of people kind of bust on boomers uh, as a whole uh, about their mindsets and everything, well, we can thank boomers for totally altering what it means to age because they refuse to accept their age. They call it, it's only a number, it's only a number. And then they continue to do amazing things with their life. So gone are the days of, of the grandma or grandpa sitting at home and, and never leaving the house and crocheting or tatting or whatever. You know, it's like we're seeing grandmas do uh, incredible things, you know. And so that's one of the things I, I definitely enjoy. So part of the, the process of writing is very much like that. You're, ha you're having to sit down at the computer and literally get past any of the stereotypes you have. And one of my, my favorite that I like to bust is you have to get out and away from everybody and you have to be in a cabin in the woods. Since we're in Colorado, you know, that's a big thing. Uh, cabin in the woods and that's the only way you can write. I'm like, uh, no, it's hard to do that every day. Oh, and I guarantee you, if you get the cabin in the woods and you have a week to write a book, the first several days are going to be just hell on earth because you're staring at the blank page. It's literally something you're going to have to move through. So talk to us a little bit, if you don't mind, about some of your tips, some of the techniques that you have done when you sat down at that blank page and went clang and it didn't feel like anything was coming. What, what did you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the cabin in the woods. Uh, it, it's definitely carving out time by yourself behind closed doors or out in the woods, wherever you get your greatest inspiration. But it's focus. It's really paying attention to what you are about to put on paper 
you have to have that focused time. And uh, the book that I am, I am just about, my second book that I'm just about finished, I've had to do that. But when I put a week between writing, it takes me that much more time and energy and thought to bring my thoughts and my, my energies back to where I left off from the book. And um, to some degree, that can be okay. For me, I don't really like it. I like to stay in the flow of what I'm thinking, where the story's going to go, what is it that I want to, what contributions that I'm making, and make sure that they all line up. And that takes concentrated effort. For those people who have a hard time concentrating and focusing, that's going to be a bit of a challenge, but it can be done as long as you recognize how much time that you can provide for focus. If it's only an hour, then by all means, take that hour and focus in on that hour and then set the pen down, run around the house a couple of times and then come back and, and maybe you need that extra break and, and those kinds of things. But it, that's a tip. The other tip is that when you get to a point where you think, oh, this isn't any good, what do I have to say that's any different than what anybody else has to say? I'm like, really, Renee, really? Um, you those are called limiting beliefs. And I call them imposter thoughts, where there's somebody in your, some, a thought that you have that's telling you this is what you think and feel. And you have to take those imposter thoughts and those limiting beliefs and shove them to the side. Don't invite them into your brain because that's limiting. It will keep you from moving forward and keep your intentions at bay. So it's really about focus and knowing, just knowing in your core that you have something to give and share. And because it's coming from you, it's going to be, it's just going to be uniquely different and inspirational to somebody out there in the world. I totally agree with you. That's one of the things that I like to share with folks in my writing group is that, look, if you have the desire and if you have the passion to write about this, you have a reader that's waiting on you to finish. And it's not meant to put pressure on people. It's just saying that's just how the universe works. We as authors would not be asked to write if there weren't readers who were wanting the story that we have to write, that that our inspiration will either help them write their own story, will solve a problem for themselves. This is more for the nonfiction writers. But even fictional writers, some of your characters are going through things that somebody else is actually living through. And the way you solve that for your character will give them an opportunity to, oh, wow, that I could do that. You know, so what you put your characters through as a fictional author, same sort of thing. So talk to us a little bit about that second book. Oh, you have something else you want to say. Three more things that I think is really valuable for people to hear. And I, I had wished that someone had told me this too, when I was starting. And one is, um, if you have a perfectionist attitude, that book will never get published. There's nothing wrong with being, try to get as perfect as you possibly can, but it's, it is never going to be perfect and it'll never get published. So really consider that, that what you have shared and what you have put on paper is good and recognizing it is good enough. It will be good enough because it comes from you and it comes from your thoughts and your inspirations. Secondly is, um, I forgot the second part. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So 
I'll come back to it, but uh, but definitely corrections. Yeah. So one, let's talk about the perfectionist attitude and imposter syndrome, because there's a lot of YouTube videos about this. Anytime you're in any kind of a creative discipline of any kind, people will talk about that. Go for it, Renee. Okay. The other piece is that do not and do is compare your book and your ideas to anybody else. Ooh, talk about imposter action and impo- imposter beliefs. That is a real danger. And it, just comparing yourself and your abilities and your talents and your skills and your thoughts to anybody else, mm, it just gets us into trouble. And it, it, again, it's about narrowing your focus and what you have to share and put the blinders on to what the rest of the world, it doesn't matter because it's about you. If you want to make a million bucks from your book, then maybe you have to start comparing yourself to everybody else. But if your intention is to give what you have to, if you want to share something that you think is valuable for the rest of the world to read, then perfection doesn't come into play and comparison doesn't come into because there's no one else to compare it with, but yourself, it comes from you. So that those two things are, are really helpful as well. And that was what I have learned as a creative because I'm an illustrator and a course creator and an author and I I have all these uh, creative outlets. One of the things that I found fascinating is it didn't matter what YouTube channel I was listening to, what podcaster, uh, what artist, all the creatives suffer from the same thing. And that is that perfectionist mindset and imposter syndrome. So if you are challenged by that, well, join the club. Everybody that you've ever seen do anything is right there with you. And one of the things that I thought was wonderful was when I had a particular client who was stuck with their book and they needed to write this book. It was a a book that was, you know, it was one, I'll be honest, I wanted to see written. I I was like, I was waiting on her because I wanted to buy it as soon as she, as soon as she published. And what was fascinating to me is when I said to her, look, just get it 70% there and move on. That's close enough. Good enough. Your editors will take care of anything that's glaring. As soon as she heard that, she kept saying that it was almost a mantra to her. 70% is close enough. 70% is close enough. And she finished the book literally 19 days later. So this is amazing. This woman was running a clinic, a practice, you know, anyway. So so definitely listen to what Renee has to say on this because she's really correct on that and don't compare yourself to other people. So one of the things that, uh, let's go back to your mountains again. The person who is guiding you is not comparing his ability to climb with you, right? The person who's in the lead is making sure that people behind him do or her do not die, right? They're making sure that they do everything according to the safety protocols in place. And one of the things that I thought was amazing with, uh, with some of the mountain climbing stuff that I've seen as far as documentaries and stuff is how a climber, if they feel like they're getting ready to endanger the rest of the group, will climb back down, will stop rather than cause the safety of the group to not be able to make it to the top of Mount Everest. That was the documentary I was watching. So talk to us a little bit about with being an author, it's a single sport, you know, it's a single solitary sport. But at the same time, when do you let go of an idea because it's dragging the rest of the book down? Do you have any examples of that, especially now that you're writing book number two? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's, there is an intuitive sense that often people, authors feel 
when they realize this piece doesn't belong, it doesn't fit, it, it doesn't coordinate with the theme of the book or the direction of your book. And it, it takes numbers of times of reading through it. And this is probably the best time to take a break is to put the book aside after you have nearly completed it and then pick it up a week later and read it and say, oh, this piece doesn't fit. What was I thinking? You put this out, you take this out, you add something else to it. Um, you alter the, the pattern of, of ideas and comments and those kinds of things. So that's a time where you can just say, okay, I need a break and, and go back to the book and take a look at it. Yeah, in my, in my second book, it's, it's about the example that you use. It's really about leadership. In this second book, um, it's much longer. <laughs> it's probably closer to 200 pages or more. And it is about leadership. And the title of that book is Unflappable Leadership, Character Lessons Learned from, guess what, Climbing Mountains. <laughs> so um, as the listeners could tell, I've, I've done a lot of climbing of mountains. And when I first climbed my first mountain in 1977, all sorts of things happened from that epic experience. And that has driven me since that day, not just the climbing of the mountain, but what actually transpired and what transformed in my life from that experience. And it came really just internally, you know, my internal spirit and thought, aha, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Not, yes, climbing mountains, yes, but it's, it's what transpired from the symbol and the metaphorical experience of climbing a mountain. Because I've used that symbol and that metaphor in everything that I have done in my life putting one foot in front of the other, the challenges that come along, the storm that might keep me from getting to the top of the mountain. But the second book is about, uh, I've taken 10 stories of my mountaineering and climbing experiences and pulled out the leadership gems and nuggets that I've learned from that particular climb or what I observed from other leaders in a climbing expedition. And um, I'm pretty vulnerable in the book because I talk about the mistakes as well. And that take, for me, it took a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable and say, you know what, I have messed up. I you know, was not the leader I thought I was. And, this is, and I articulate that in the book because I've kept journals since I was in elementary school. So I have memories and journal writings of all these climbs. So I've just taken the journal writings and um, shared those experiences and pulled out those leadership lessons, the character leadership lessons from that book. So with unflappable leadership, what is the projected publication date for that? Do we have an idea? Or are we still just working on chapters here? No, no, no. It's, it's pretty close. I'm now looking at book cover and I've uh, got some ideas of a book cover and it's in the, the probably the last phase of editing. And um, I'm hopeful that it'll be early June. Fabulous. Maybe, maybe mid-May. Well, let's see. Mid-May is a month. Um, maybe closer to mid-early uh, June. Okay. So we can look forward to that. So anything else you would care to share with folks? Uh, is there a website people can go to to learn more about you? 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Renee Kessler. It looks like Rena Kosler, but my website is www.renekoesler.com. And um, just for the listeners out there, I'm a really good cheerleader. I was not a cheerleader in high school or college, but I do, I love to cheer people on. And if you are stuck and you need, you need cheering on for writing your first book or second book or 10th book, um, I can do a lot of rah-rah, sispoomba, and uh, pull out the pom-poms because I'm, I'm, uh, I, I encourage people to, to go to their, uh, you know, what drives them and not to end by saying shoulda, coulda, woulda and moving them forward to that level. That's Dr. Renee Kessler, who went from being a college professor to now running her own coaching business and still climbing those mountains. Thank you so much for your time today. And this is the Writer's Hour, Creative Conversations with Janine Bolin. Keep your feet firmly planted on the ground as you reach for those stars and don't ever give up. Thank you for listening to the Writer's Hour. To hear more about the creative conversations that Janine Bolin is sharing with her listeners, please visit janinebolin.com forward slash guest. <laughs>